Hello and thank you for listening to episode 358 of 60MW. I'm Dave. And I'm Tom. And this is the Decade of Decadence show for April 2021, brought to you by Dean of the Dead, Hot Sources, who, Tom, we can finally give a little bit of news out. We've been teasing, I think, for a couple of months now about some, yeah, of, the, some of the collaboration things he's had going. So we can finally, we can't, we can't spill the beans on everything, but there's a few things that are out there. Spill the sauce. We spill the sauce. We will drip the sauce in a few places, mate. Drip it in people's oh, ears. Don't, don't. <laughs> Right you have to ruin everything, don't you? <laughs> I'm at the stage of dripping rather than spilling. And the first thing is, is yeah, it's got a new hot sauce. And it yes. isn't this so good. It's in collaboration with the movie Fried Barry that we've both watched. Uh, I think you watched it. Did you watch it at, uh, was it Fright Fest? I believe that was Grimfest online Grimfest. last year. You saw it at the same time with me, didn't you? Grimfest, of course. And... Um, yeah, the director, Ryan Kruger, there's an interview show with them. It's on our YouTube channel. That's the gratuitous plug out of the way. But but Dean's new sauce, his fried berry sauce. Oh, when you read what it is. It's... I can't wait to try this. Um, he, he put it up, was it like just under a week ago, um, yeah. as we record? And it's not on sale as we record, but um, unless I missed a post completely, but... Uh, no, it's coming soon. I'm mate. ready to try this. It this is. is the one I want to try. <laughs> Fresh. Black... What's in it, Dave? Tell me what's in Here it. Here we go. Fresh blackberries. That, I mean, that's a good start for me to begin with. Blackberries, man. Mm. I, I can't. <laughs> Add to that handfuls of hot habanero. Oh, and then add a generous splash of bourbon as well. I mean, come on. Plus all the other natural ingredients that Dean throws in there. That sounds good to yeah. me. Yeah, can't, yeah, really looking forward to this one. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's also some exciting news. He's going to be in a film. Well, hopefully, he's hoping he's going to make the final edit because there's uh, Jeepers Creepers Reborn. It's due out, I think it's due out for the end of this year, hopefully. Who knows with movie release dates at the moment. Uh, but he's, yes. he's there. It's, he's, uh, and it's Dean of the Dead. Uh, stall that's there and it looks like it's in this fairground scene and he's there on his stall surrounded by all of his hot sauces as well it looks awesome i've got my fingers crossed like please let yeah make that'd be good cut. and um and by oh, I, we don't need to get into this too much but by jeepers creepers reborn they do mean reborn completely reborn like yeah different yeah, director check, check your old imdb or yeah, <laughs> yeah. a box for who's yes not involved in that film exactly. and, yeah. yeah looking forward to seeing it and hopefully seeing dean definitely that's really good news and uh, of course, it's all obviously he's he had a Jeepers, was it Jeepers Reapers? Yes, the um, one of his products. So, uh, this was you know, it's meant to be, it had to be, didn't it? It'd be good if it starts off with you know, like a close up of Jeepers Reapers sauce and yeah, then yeah, pans out <laughs> and it's him, so like... pan out, yeah, <laughs> that would be so good. Uh, there's a couple of other collaborations that are sort of irons in the fire that we can't talk about yet, but if they come to fruition as well. They'll be very exciting. And we will, of course, keep you updated on that. But again, as always, go to his website. Details will be in the podcast notes. And uh, treat yourself to some of his amazing hot sauces. And uh, you can thank us later for that one. Mm-hmm. Well, Tom, we sit here recording on April the 16th. And I'm going to start off with something that the 80s link is very tenuous. But that's never stopped yeah. us, really, has it? <laughs> so it is to the day, 25 years since Kiss announced their reunion on the USS Intrepid. 
20. And they've been on that farewell tour ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and they've and they've released three albums since then. <laughs> three new studio albums. In fact, they've released three. I mean, if what's going, I mean, if what's going on in the world wasn't happening, they'd still have dragged it out somehow. Because <laughs> we'll we, never retire. We, well, we've both professed our love of 80s Kiss, haven't we? You know, we like 80s Kiss. And, um, but when I saw that today, 25 years to the day, it's that's gone pretty bloody quick. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, you say about 80s Kiss, just one show, you know, I mean, obviously in the UK, but, you know, just, you know, one where they just do the 80s stuff. That would be nice, wouldn't I it? I would kill to see it. <laughs> they go, yeah, keep Eric Singer on drums. They could bring, bring Bruce back for it as well. That'd be cool. It'd be really good. It'd be really, it'd be, I know they're not massive fans of that. And I mean, you look back at the photos, and some of the songs are a bit dodgy, but that's all you like about them. So, <laughs> yeah, oh, it'll be good. Your burps, sorry. Oh, well, that looks better there, there from uh, the other end, mate. It's uh, you know, keep it topside, be fine. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I talked about in the last few shows as well. You know, eighties related TV shows, and there's been quite a few that continues because I was flicking through the Disney Channel the other day, and part of that is National Geographic. And there's, oh, okay. yeah, there's um, a show on there called The 80s Greatest. Uh, yeah. yeah, which is really good. It's, um, I think it's about 10 episodes, um, only half an hour. And it's an, an American show. And it's just a series looking back at the 80s, surprisingly enough, and everything that went on. Again, very American centric. Uh, mm. But it's, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good, mate. And it's like, what? There's another 80s show. And that wasn't the end of it. Because BBC Two, there's a show called The Eighties with Dominic Sand with Dominic Sandbrook, uh, who I didn't know who he was. Um, no, I've never heard of him. But apparently, it's a scholarly scholarly scholar. Yeah, scholarly. I had to think if I pronounced it right. Then, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of scholarly then. Yeah, personal <laughs> review of the decade. He's a he's a historian, and uh, he's looking back at Britain during the 80s so there you go between those you've got america in the 80s you've got britain in the 80s the bit i saw there was a lot like about margaret thatcher and stuff uh, <laughs> yeah so but I, I don't know there could be you know some more light-hearted stuff as there is on... and you've got us for shite in the 80s yeah and then tenuous links to it like talking about kiss reunion in 96 <laughs> Uh, Sky Arts, Sky Arts seems to be still, mate, the 80s channel because they've got another 80s related show called I Want My MTV and a show. And this was good, what I saw of it. And it was looking back at MTV, which began in 1981. And of course, if people listen to our two part looking back at music videos shows that we released, uh, was it last month or the month before? Um, a, lot, a lot of great stories about that. And um, with Stephen Pilato. There, I've pronounced it right this time. <laughs> Talking about all of the videos. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. So, 80s TV related stuff, mate. There's there's loads of it. Loads of it's nice. looking mm -hmm. uh, Go on. What have you got? I'll hand it over to you, mate. Well, it's something we've talked about all, uh, well, not already on this show, but uh, in the past, and uh, what old Sylvester Stallone has been up to mm -hmm. um, during lockdown. And now it appears that this Rocky Four director's cut is going to be called Rocky versus Drago. Have you seen this? I'm sure I you have. I have, yeah. What do you think of that, mate, the name change? 
Oh, I don't know. It's like it's the, the worry that he's gonna fucking uh, excuse me, fucking ruin it is uh, <laughs> building. Like I don't know. It's just like obviously you know Rocky Four is for to me perfect and it's cheesy and there's it's nonsense and it's like at times it's just like an extended music video with the amount of montages and the songs and I just comes this horrible feeling he's gonna go in there and be like oh we don't need this montage and we don't need this song mm-hmm. it will put a bit of score in there instead or I know he's keeping the robot I know there was backlash about the, oh, the I robot. Didn't know that I thought the robot was still gone no last well the last I heard he was keeping it okay. um but um, I just feel like he's going to make it to, I don't know, I've just got a bad feeling about it. So I was like, you can't make it any sillier. No. Because that's not possible. So the only <laughs> other thing you can do with it is make it more serious. Yeah. And I've, I've I don't know, I've got, I, I just envisage it being about five minutes in and me just turning it off and putting the original on. <laughs> but there is going to be like, I mean, I say that, but. If we watch it all the way through, it's coming out with a um, feature-length making-of documentary as well. That's good. Um, where it's going to be like just like him going through a thing. And, you know, like he will explain, you know, why he does what he does. And I suppose you could sort of like compare it to like if he cut, if he cut stuff out. And he, obviously he wanted to cut a robot out because, you know, you look back on that, what you did in 1985, and you go, like, well, that was pretty silly hmm. and embarrassing. And then you look at, you know, and you could say like Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, but see him all done up like a dog's dinner um, yeah. in the mid 80s. They're like, well, that was pretty silly and embarrassing. Not doing that again. <laughs> so maybe that's where he's coming from. But still, making Rocky, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. It is going to be interesting. Uh, but I do know we do. Do something with Rocky Five. Yeah, I mean, because there's Make been... Make that better. Yeah. You know, you always say remake the, um, remake the shit films. If you're going to go back and do a, a director's cut of... Uh, I mean, I know he didn't direct Rocky Five, but, you know, release the Stallone cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's more Rocky stuff happening as well, isn't there? Because he posted on his Instagram, he was writing apparently for streaming services for an idea to pitch to them for a TV show about uh, Rocky prequel the early days of rocky which again i'm oh i don't know about that do i want to watch it do i because it's not obviously it's not going to be sly playing a young rocky anymore no it should be <laughs> imagine if they so got him doing that man, like a teenager <laughs> they, they're um, trying to do the digital de-aging but no it, just no none of it <laughs> <laughs> i mean he'd be writing it but again i'm just like i don't I don't know if I need to, like he was a bit of a so Rocky I mean I don't need to tell you Dave Rocky starts and he's a bit of a shitty amateur boxer mm-hmm. doing fights in flea pits and then we follow it from there and you know he's doing a bit of gangster work like what's before that like he's a shit boxer and he's not really getting anywhere like he's not well what's it gonna lead to we like we already know we've seen what it leads to but yeah. what is there to say about Oh, he he got a fight against Spider, and that's going to be the series with Harley. It's like, <laughs> what? It's, yeah. I, I don't know. I can't see the point. I feel he's spending too much time dwelling on Rocky during lockdown. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the Samaritan more, and I'm looking forward to. Oh my God, am I looking forward to seeing him and as a uh, as King Shark in the Suicide Squad? 
there's a, I mean, there is a lot of sliced alone news out there. You know, he's been he's been doing a few things, like you said, a lot of it Rocky orientated. But you know, at least we've got, like you said, there some non Rocky stuff to look forward to as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to those two films over in summer. Um, yeah, but yeah, he, cool, he's everywhere. He's hot property. Yeah, I do like. Obviously, you know, people that listen to this know I'm a big fan of him. That he's so active on Instagram. And put in, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's really good, and he puts a lot of videos up there and a little insight into his life, and I, it's it's really good. I do like that side of it, and um, yeah. yeah, even though you still get people posting shit on there, you're thinking, "Fuck!" <laughs> oh, there was a thing. I know we're not going to get. To, I won't go too deep into this. There's a thing where he, um, there was some tabloid said that he was going to move where Trump. Liz, oh like the, yeah, the, yeah. Largo place. I can't remember what the full name is, and he just put up, and he wasn't politically leaning left or right we know where he leans politically but he wasn't doing either hmm. and just saying this isn't true and like some of the comments what was what would be wrong if it was all that sort of thing yeah. it's just like he's just saying it he's just putting it out there but <laughs> like but yeah we could get into a whole thing about comments on social media hmm. it's, it's a very deep and dark and dirty hole that one isn't it <laughs> to get into yeah and not the, not the sort of deep dark dirty holes we like no. so. <laughs> uh let's well let's move on from rocky to indiana jones and the fifth yeah. indiana jones film the fifth one of course uh, already announced sorry <laughs> we're already announced is um phoebe waller bridge is going to be the the, yeah. the female lead in it. Um, John Williams is back once again to do the score, which is good news. And it was announced the other day that Mads Mikkelsen has joined the cast yeah. as well. So that's good news. It's you know it's a cracking yeah, cast. I mean, can't fault the casting so far. Mm. It's, it's Spielberg directing it. No, oh no, it's not. It's no. um, Thingy. Mr. Not Spielberg. I know it's not, I've forgotten the name off the top of my head, but I know no, Spielberg. He's been is around for ages. You know, no, I'm not going to remember his name. But um, interesting. That's some, um, you know, Mads Mikkelsen is brilliant. Phoebe Waller Bridge, I haven't seen uh, Fleabag or anything she's actually done, but all I hear is good things. Mm-hmm. So, oh, oh, Killing Eve, I've not seen that either. Um, but obviously, she, I mean, I probably would have seen Bond by now. <laughs> <laughs> she co-wrote uh, the new Bond film, but um, I've nothing but good things enough to be make me like quite interested in what they're going to do with a, a very old Indiana Jones at this point. I mean, yeah, what is he mid seventies now? Yeah, I mean, you don't want. I mean, we had someone younger come in to handle some of the action last time, and that was a disaster. So they're probably not going to do that, are they? So yeah, it's it is all going to rest on the story as well isn't it it's, yeah what are they going to do with it i mean we'll this, see this... we'll see i mean i'm, I'm definitely more inter- interested than i was before with uh, the addition of those two yeah yeah it's worth keeping an eye on and it will be i mean surely this is going to be the last one there isn't going to be another one after this even if it no, does it well be. even if it does really well at the box office surely there's not going to be like a number six yeah i'm sure he's in good shape but mm. yeah too old <laughs> Be good to watch, though. Uh, yeah. Uncle Lloyd, our friend, Uncle Lloyd Kaufman. Uh, Troma Entertainment, they've acquired James Glickenhouse's North American Pictures catalogue. So Troma, oh, wow. yeah, Troma are going to be distributing um, the North American Pictures library, 
which include the likes Ooh. of Maniac Cop, Frankenhooker, Basket Case Two and Three, The Exterminator, uh, and again some of the ca- some of the characters, geez, some of the actors that were involved in the films that they're going to be distributing: Christopher Walken, Tom Atkins, Bruce Campbell, Dolph Lundgren, Peter Weller, Sam Elliott, Roddy Piper, Pat Morita, loads more. So it's great that uh, Troma have got the rights to that. And um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where, where are they distributing it for? What well, just you know? Do you mean do you mean future like Blu-ray releases? Or? I'm hoping it's going to be future yeah. Blu-ray releases, and be nice. You know, some extras, maybe new extras involved would always be nice. Yeah, I mean, some of them got some good Blu-rays already. Mm. I mean, it could be streaming, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah, that's a good a good money maker for uh, for them. Yeah, the more ways uh, that people get to see films, you know like the exterminator the better really we don't want them to yeah, disappear absolutely. for good that's for sure uh what have i got left oh i've got uh, yeah i've got a couple of things um shall we shall we get that thing out of the way again go on let's do it oh go on everybody knows i've got to do it by now here we go you might be a king or a little street sweeper but sooner or later you dance with the reaper <laughs> Thankfully, mate, the Reaper has been pretty quiet since we last recorded. And there's only one name. that One? One. This is an all-time low. Uh, and again... Guide, mate. Guide for you. <laughs> <laughs> again, I have to reiterate, I don't actively go looking for people who have died that have got some sort of 80s link. They just naturally, you know, appear on my timeline. And this, was, this only appeared just a few days ago. I thought we were going to get to tonight, mate. And... The Reaper wouldn't be on it, but last minute he had to take away uh, Giannetto De Rossi, um, which is a name a lot of people might not be familiar with. He was 79 um, Italian, as you may have guessed from the name, special effects, and specifically in the makeup department. And <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, I'm cracking up because <laughs> you just sounded as if you read his name like you'd never read it before. <laughs> You know, just read it off. Did you even know who he was, Dave? You know what? I didn't. I saw it. I forget where I saw it, and I saw this name, and I thought, don't know who that is, but it's only because next to his photograph was was a poster, and I thought, okay, then I need to have a look at that because it was it was a it was a poster of Cannibal Apocalypse. 1980 so i thought oh, i'm gonna have to vlog so and he was the makeup artist on cannibal apocalypse that's how he started the 80s he did zombie flesh eaters before that a shitload of films going back into the 60s but when you look at his 80s work as a makeup artist so you begin in 1980 with the cannibal apocalypse you follow that up with the beyond house by the cemetery uh then you've got films like conan the destroyer uh dune king kong lives rambo 3 um, and then, and then rounding off the decade in 1989 with Killer Crocodile. So that that's pretty good. But that is how he came to my attention. If they hadn't have put that poster of Cannibal Apocalypse next to his name, the Reaper wouldn't have appeared in this episode, mate, because I wouldn't have recognised. It just sounded as if you just got your reading glasses on and we're just it did. It is in front of me. A cue card with his G G No disrespect meant to him, but like <laughs> that, that is uncanny, mate, because. I have got my reading glasses on, and I am I am using You're them to peering look. over them, trying to work out this man's name that you've never heard. I'm shit with Just names. Just so you could play the jingle. <laughs> I couldn't go a show without, without playing the jingle. 
yeah. Thank whatever TV channel it was that put up the uh, Cannibal Apocalypse poster. What? I mean, I'm sure it was the TV as well. I mean, they could have picked like Rambo 3 or something, June, Conan the Destroyer, but they put Cannibal Apocalypse. Well, fair enough. It, got, it, it worked. It got my attention. Uh, <laughs> I've got I've got one more thing left, mate. Have you got anything? Okay, I'll I'll, I'll do my one more thing. Um, which is a film that I made you uh made you watch, asked you to watch before you recorded. Mm. I mean, it's not strictly like um a tribute to sort of eighties stuff. It's probably more early to mid nineties. It's going for I'd say, but it's still worth talking about. Um, especially as you and I, Dave, are both two hunky boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah most definitely yeah we are talking about psycho gourmet mm-hmm. from um it's just i mean it's on shudder from may the 20th um us and uk um i um got the american blu-ray because i was just like i'm like this is so up my street just looking at it so i went in blind and it's brilliant it's we we so, watched it because, I mean, you said you watched it and you you sent me a WhatsApp message and said you and Tina have got to watch this. It's it's really really good, and um, we'd had it ready to watch for a bit, and it was your message. So okay, like, yeah, let's let's do it then, and we'll we'll dive into it. We laughed so much watching it. It is so much fun. Um, from the guys that brought you, you know, um, Father's Day, Manborg, mm-hmm. two great films that we've watched. And if you're listening to this and you've never seen those, watch those as well. Because, I mean, they are so ridiculous, aren't they? They're, they're silly, gory, funny, and yeah. they, they're they made by people who have got such an obvious passion of filmmaking and love what they do. And the young girl in this, we were like, holy shit, she's so good. Um, yeah, yeah, she is fantastic. She is just the brattiest, most spoiled kid and she's just the stuff that she comes out with is brilliant it's so good so yeah if it, if people should watch it psycho gorman is the name that they the the girl gives to this so is it sort of alien evil god that appears on earth yeah they basically it's two kids who on earth some sort of like has it like a gem or an orb thing um which brings him to earth to destroy earth but because she's got she's in possession of it she controls him, hmm. and uh, it just goes from there. And it's ridiculous, and the creature design on Psycho Gorman and, like, the council as well. There's, like, a council of these weird alien creatures, and it's all, like, practically done, and they look brilliant. They do look superb. So the creature work Practical on it. Practical effects, like we've always said, just always the best. Yeah, definitely. Some great designs and the situations. It is like you, if you've got a young, bratty kid who suddenly has control and and can tell this alien god what to do <laughs> and the shit that she says to him and makes him do is pretty hilarious and gory as well so yeah definitely fun. and yeah. if you uh have seen the film talking of good designs um cavity colors uh horror movie shirt place in america have uh, got a range of psycho gorman tees and joggers and other stuff um which i i've showed you dave i've ordered a couple of mm-hmm. good t-shirts just too. a psycho gourmet sort of poster and then a obviously a tie-dye hunky boys shirt 
Which um, when when you when you if you haven't seen it when you re- when you realise what the Hunky Boys thing is and when I did because all I heard about it really was Hunky Boys and I'm just like what well, fuck Hunky Boys like one of the Blu-rays I think it's the Canadian Blu-ray is like spent like a limited Hunky Boys edition I'm like what the fuck's that and then uh, when you see it in a film it just all falls into place it does so yeah if you haven't watched it yet go and watch Psycho Gorman <laughs> it's very much recommended <laughs> uh, another thing that is recommended to finish on mate as well and and movie related is the game that's available on i'm not sure it's different consoles i've got it on ps4 is what the dub which ah. uh, we had a bit, well we streamed live onto the 60mw youtube channel so there you go there's, yeah. there's another excuse for you to go and subscribe to it immediately uh and follow us on twitter because i'm sure we'll have another live session on it so it was me and you tom uh, and tina yeah. joined in we we're playing it uh, and then we've got a few other people joining in. And you're given, it's got 300 short clips of weird, wonderful, obscure films, most of which I didn't recognise. Uh, and it just plays a short, like, five, ten-second clip. And there's a little bit of dialogue, and then some of it is silenced. Uh, and then you type in what you think they'd say. And this is where the magic happens because people watching it on YouTube can join in and you can vote on what we do. But you, you just join in using your smartphone. You go to the website, you type in the um, the number that it puts up on the game. Each game's got its own number. Uh, and then it reads it out in the voice. It does that text-to-speech thing when you're playing it. So, of course, mm. everything we were putting in was just ridiculous. <laughs> and, and we found out that you, Tom, are sort of a bit of a grand master at this game. Yes, yeah, yes. It turns out I, uh, my suggestions were the uh, most popular. Mm-hmm. So that's it because you don't want to go my own horn. But, uh, <laughs> but what? Yeah, blow I it. Mean, mate. I mean, I didn't win everyone, but I'm, you know, I was gen. I'm generally known as the one to beat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like I said, this this is not. Um, an excuse to try and get people to sub to our YouTube channel, but we will be streaming. But you should do. Of course, you should be anyway, obviously. Uh, but we will be streaming some more live on there that you can join in. And like I say, you can, there's so many people can vote on it. Um, if there aren't enough play, I think I looked, there's six people can play it. Uh, and you just play it on your smartphone. It's, it's really easy to do. I'll just start it up on the PlayStation, stream to YouTube, play along, uh, and even just watch. And you, know, you can type in and I'll see what people are saying. And it was, it was such a laugh. I think I was going to play it. I said I would have an hour from eight till nine, and we ended up playing it for about an hour and a half. And it is so, yeah. so funny. And just over the last few days, mate, there's been a, um, an update for it where they've Ooh. added more sound effects because not only can you type in the text and it will do the text-to-speech thing, um, you can add sound effects. So there's, you know, there's the boing and, and all sorts of toilet flush, this, that, and the other. They've added more of those. Uh, and also you can add even more time to type in your answers if you're struggling to do that. They've, they've made it more user-friendly as well, and I think there's going to be more movie clips coming soon too. So, And for the game itself, I think it cost me £5.50. Absolute bargain. Already bargain. already had my money's worth out of it just from that <laughs> one session. And um, yeah, we'll be doing more. So if you've got a smartphone and you're sub to our youtube channel you can play along it'll be it'll be fun spend an hour just um seeing what answers what how we redub um old films of which 
a new thing now is, and this is one of those things you had to be there. The Vincent Price sex party is now a thing. <laughs> yeah, because yes, Vincent Price, Vincent Price sex party. It's a thing. Yeah. See, this this is this is what you're missing if if you don't, if you don't watch on YouTube because Vincent Price was in a few clips, and yeah, from the way that he was dubbed, he he, he got involved in quite a few sex parties actually, didn't he? Well, there's a book about that that you, you and Tina told me about and I ordered, so, uh, I mean... Yeah? Read all about that soon. Would you like to tell people what that book is? I can't remember. It's it's our toilet book. I was reading a bit more it of it. It is called... Oh, I've got it. There's a funny angle from where I'm sat. I'm just seeing Full Service hmm. by uh, Scotty Bowers. It's um, all about his uh, exploits in the 40s and 50s in um, Hollywood and... Uh, who he shagged, basically, <laughs> male and female, and who he set up for shags, mm-hmm. male and female. So it's a, the word is salacious, isn't it? So, That's a good word, mate. That is a good word. But you've fallen off a toilet once or twice reading that. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great, but some of the stuff, it's jaw dropping. You think? Yeah, I'm looking wow. forward to uh, to get into it. I thought I was gonna do it during my uh, week of isolation, but. Um, I didn't get around to it. Films, I hope, took up most of that yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch as much as I thought, just generally, like, films, TV, other, and, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, I was just like, you know what, as long as, the time, as, long as it's gone, yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter. That's it. It's all done. It's all behind you now, mate. Yeah. Right. Right. Any more things? That's it for things. I am done for Ooh. things. Yeah, yeah, I am, I am also done. Right, let us move on to uh, what was my... First time watch pick. When the world's most brilliant scientist is lifted off, the world's most precious gem is ripped off, and the most devastating Star Wars weapon in creation is about to go off. It's time for Duncan Drax, the newest breed of James Bond heroes, to face the wrath of the Order of the Black Eagle. The Order may have its army of murderers and madmen, but Jax has got the meanest, toughest, wildest, and most provocative professionals to serve his every and his very deadly needs. Move over, Mr. Bond, because Duncan Jax is here to give the Black Eagle its blackest day. Celebrity video blows high adventure sky high with the hottest new spy thriller ever to hit the box office screen and the home video scene. The Order of the Black Eagle the onslaught is about to begin. <laughs> Can I just say that that narrator is such a lying bastard? Oh, it's kind of like, imagine hearing that, <laughs> watching that, and you put it on, and you're like, fuck that guy. <laughs> it's, it's the hottest new spy thriller to ever hit the screen. Move over, James Bond. <laughs> Duncan Jacks, he's joined by the meanest whatever bunch of whatever's ever. No, he's not. None of what you just said. doesn't mention the fucking baboon either. And that's the selling point of the film to me. And they don't even mention it. Jesus. I mean, I can see why they don't mention it, because you'd be like, nah, you're right. If you sound like a fucking baboon, <laughs> I'll just watch License to Kill or something. But, um, yeah, I mean, not to just to not mention such a huge part of the film is... Uh, I know, that's crazy. So, yeah, don't and get... Hitler. Anyway, we'll get yeah, into it. We'll get into it. They didn't mention cryogenically frozen Hitler in that narration. Come on. Oh, <laughs> Again, they want people to watch it. 
So the order of the Black Eagle 1987, currently a 4.6 on IMDb. Uh, from only 362 reviews. The synopsis on there is a James Bondish spy and his female assistant infiltrate a group of South American Nazis who have kept Hitler alive until they take over the... until they take over the... dot, 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 using the ultimate weapon. I mean... What? The, yeah. The, I mean... World? This... <laughs> <laughs> until they take over the... Line, yeah, yeah they, they, I don't know. They take over what supermarket? The baboon. <laughs> this is this. Um, let's get the baboon. You know, from the, the, the baboon in the room. In the, <laughs> it's the baboon in the room that needs to be addressed. This is a film, and again, regular listeners, thank you. Uh, but you know the type of films that me and Tom enjoy watching. Yes. They're, they're the type that a lot of people would turn off after ten minutes. And this is this is a film that begins, more or less begins, um, with a baboon in a tuxedo, in a microlight, flying in the microlight. Yeah, flying microlight. Don't don't uh, sell him short. <laughs> it's got it's got a cryogenically frozen Hitler in it. The film finishes with aforementioned baboon now in sort of camo outfit. <laughs> driving a tank driving a tank that's got like this lurid shark's teeth face on the front of it and wild eyes and this pimped up tank why would a baboon need to wear camouflage he's just like he's like a natural thing you'd see in a jungle <laughs> it would. Like, you wouldn't be like you don't need to wear camouflage no. it's like it like it's like wrapping a tree in camouflage <laughs> it just draws you right to it. it anyway now you'd think from that alone that we'd be all over this and uh, i mean if it was just that bit and it finished and it was a five minute short we'd be fine but there's bits that happen in between so yeah there's more <laughs> there's more so you you have got um you know the newest james bond or however that lying bastard narrator described him duncan jacks played by ian hunter now i think you mentioned this briefly in last month's shows mate that duncan jacks uh this is this is the second Duncan Jacks film. Uh, yes, which <laughs> that you've watched. I've now put it onto my watch list. On I can't even remember it. I mean, because the baboon was there as well, and I'm like, I looked at it on Letterboxd, and I could see that. I'd... You gave it one star for the for the one before, didn't you? It's called Unmasking the Idol from yes, 1986. Unmasking the Idol. I mean, one star that doesn't mean anything for me. Um, I sort of I'm trying. <laughs> You know, like I give stuff like I used to give stuff like the room one star. So I guess my writing system mm. needs adjusting. I give it more balanced yeah. score yeah. now because if it's entertaining, it's entertaining. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, I've got no recollection of unmasking the idol. Well, it's Ian well, it's Ian Hunter, Hunter. Yeah. Who, who like so plays Duncan Duncan Jacks in that. Um, these are the only two films that he's ever been in. Which... Oh, fucking hell! <laughs> that could say a lot. For his acting, maybe I don't know. Maybe he thought he'd go out on a high. You know, he's got his two. They're, them, these are more or less his two James Bond films. Damn it! So yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he gets those done and gets out of there. So he is this, and the James Bond thing is really, really sold here because he goes to you know this film's version of Q and gets shown a load <laughs> of gadgets that obviously James Bond rejected because they're all pretty shit. 
and and the themes on the classics you know like a pen or a cigarette lighter that fights a bullet and all this bollocks and um I sort of, I sort of checked, sort of checked out of the story because I was so amazed by what was going on. Now it's not one of those like so bad it's good films, and the thing with this is, and this is, um, this is where it appealed to me a little bit more than it normally would have because there are there's a load of bits in it that just gets quite boring and slow and you think, come on, move it along, but it has all the way through definitely got its tongue firmly in its cheek it is not taking itself seriously where a lot of the so bad the good are so bad the bad films are, are trying to be good you know and doing it seriously this i think really does have tongue in cheek did you is now is that just us because we both thought that or did you not think that yeah i mean it had to with some of the stuff like like the like it's got baboon sidekick like you've got you know you can't Obviously, it was going for a James Bond vibe, but he had a baboon sidekick. You cannot be, you cannot be serious, you know. Like it has to be tongue in cheek, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you'd, th- you'd like to, you'd like to think so. That's God. for sure. But it is, yeah. It's it's Duncan Jacks who's trying to save the world because these Nazis have got, like I said, this cryogenically frozen Hitler who they're going to bring now, back back to can we life. Just talk about the cryogenically frozen Hitler for a minute. Yeah, come on. Now it's. They didn't, get an, they didn't even get an actor for this. And it's in this sort of like cryopod thing. Um, and the Orson Welles Nazi. Um, Orson Welles Nazi. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to describe it. I was just like, is that Orson? Oh, no, of course it's not. What am I thinking? Um, but like, I was just like, how do I describe this thing? Is it it's like a mannequin? And then there was a reviewer on Letterboxd actually referred, just said, Hitler looks like a cake. <laughs> Such a and good description. Was, and then I went back and I was just like, it, yeah, it does. <laughs> It looks like they've just made a big cake, a big Hitler cake. <laughs> it's all icing, like they've made it all, all different kind of ice. It's like, yeah, so um, it looks like a cake. Imagine that for your birthday. You know, you got like a big fiftieth birthday or something, and we like a big cake, and it's just like shaped like Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> they, yeah, I'm never gonna. Be, I was gonna say I'll never be able to watch this again without thinking of, of Hitler as a cake, but. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again anyway, but ooh, or maybe I will. Who knows? Mm. So, yeah, they want they want to bring um, the Hitler cake back to life to rule the world. And, Put some candles in it. Yeah, and Duncan Jacks and his team of whatever the narrator said, vicious, deadly compadres or whatever, tried to stop them and, and, and save everybody. Uh, and, of course, they do. Um the one thing I've got to mention as well, after, again, the disappointment of, uh, was it last month, Laser Mission, not having a laser in it. This had a laser in it, which I was quite pleased about. Yay. We finally got to see a laser in a film and uh, that wasn't called Laser Mission. Um, there's, it's got Again, it's got all the staples, because I was writing notes about it, and there was so many, oh, yeah, there's this, that, this. He gets, put, he gets caught, obviously, Duncan Jacks gets caught, and uh, he gets put in this... Um, it's almost like, well, it's like a prison cell, but it's got, it's just like the set designer. Okay, what do you want me to do? I want you to, oh, I want you to make this like prison cell, dirty, horrible place. And it's like he went to Aldi or somewhere and bought rolls of wallpaper that were signposted, <laughs> signposted as shit prison walls. Because they looked awful, <laughs> like the set design. I mean, obviously it's a low budget film, but the set design in some of the things was 
terrible, really, really bad. But you could tell the director, uh, Worth Keeter, he was trying at stages because there was a few there was a few shots that I said to Tina. I said, "Look, I said Worth Keeter has obviously watched American Gigolo." Because um, that's well, that's me guessing. Yeah, American Gigolo had been made by '87 because there was all the classic lighting on the wall. You know, the Venetian blind lighting on the wall. There was a couple of shots like that. That's all the way through American Gigolo. And I thought, oh, it's, you know, the, the guy's trying to do something. Um, but, <laughs> nice. but then we were laughing. We it's thought, awesome. oh, Tom Cruise has definitely watched this because there's a few bits from quite a few Mission Impossible movies that you know he's copied that Duncan Jacks does. Um, and there was something, I think there was, oh, from another film that we pointed out and I forgot. <laughs> you're not going to elaborate on that. <laughs> well, these, he, you know the classic, is it Mission Impossible one where he drops down on like a wire thing? No, he's, yeah. and he's looking at lasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, Dun- Duncan Jacks obviously goes one better. He's got these shitty sunglasses that he puts on and he can see the laser beams. And that is such a shit effect. Uh, and there's another bit where he's underwater, he's trapped underwater, and there's one of the Mission Impossible scenes where um, Tom Cruise is underwater and he has to escape, doesn't he? Uh, and he does that here. Tenuous. And there's that bit in, um, I think it's Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, where a baboon flips somebody off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously got it. <laughs> this baboon. So this baboon is, is nothing on Clyde in the... Um, Every which way but loose, and any which way you can films. It's, I mean, fair enough. Tuxedo, flying a micro light, yeah, driving a tank, nice. But as far as gestures go, this baboon has got one gesture that it can do, and that's. It's. How would you describe it? It's. It's. It used to be a thing, years and years ago. The old, pump your fist up in the air and and slap your bicep with your other hand. Yeah, is the movement of it. And it must do it like about half a dozen times through the film, but that's about the only thing that it can do. And well, apart from driving a tank, well, driving a t- yeah, well, yeah, I guess. If- oh, and, and and blow raspberry. <laughs> I thought it farted the first time. My eyes went on the screen. And I was like, did that? Did he just fart? That's brilliant. Then I saw you just blow raspberry. I was like, that's not as good. I've got to say, no. I wanted more baboon. Then it is, and it's credited as Boone the Baboon in the credits. Boone, I wanted more yeah. Boone in this movie, definitely. Uh, really original name for a baboon. <laughs> it, was, it was Boone or Bat. <laughs> that was it. This, um, I mean, there's some decent practical effects in it. There's a motorcyclist that gets decapitated. They do the old. <laughs> I wouldn't call that a practical effect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a man being accidentally run over. Oh no, there's that one. We'll get to that one. But oh, I thought you... no, no, there is. No, there are guys on a motorbike, and they do the old like piano wire across two trees, and he. Oh, that yeah. Sorry, he... I thought you meant the guy at the end. Oh my god, let's like, can't call that a practical. <laughs> well, it was practical, but it wasn't an effect. It was real. Uh, I mean, let's jump. Let's jump to that because there's a big action scene towards the end of the film, and now I knew about this. And I like pre-warned you to watch out for it. In fact, I sent you a WhatsApp message saying the exact it's one hour and twenty-seven minutes when it happened. Yeah, yeah I had I was ready with yeah. the time step there, yeah. Because I'd seen on YouTube there was a stuntman and it was a an audio clip of an interview with him, just a few minutes long, and he was saying about this film, that hence why I listened to it. And he was saying how a stunt went wrong and there was this explosion and how the stuntmen get thrown in the air, you know, and he lands and he he went a little bit too far. 
and he lands and then they do these big motorized trikes one comes around the corner and it goes over his head and they oh. they kept it in the film you see this big yeah like i've just listened to that so what happened was so he went flying over this tent thing he was on it he was flying over the tent thing and the whole thing was the, the good guy gets on it instead and um brings it around the corner to go past him and because they loaded it up with um some guns after they did the first try of it um because they rehearsed it and it was fine and then they, but then they put guns on the trike thing <laughs> which changed the balance of the weight so he went further a bit further out you know just and it was over his face it was terrible mate isn't it <laughs> i mean how he survived without like he said the guy um said on the interview like he went he went to the hospital then they his mates got him out and he just went to do an audition for another film which he got <laughs> but he was just completely out of it he's i think the only thing that saved him is because it looks like they're on soil some sort of soft earth if that was yeah. on concrete mate his head would have, it'd have been like going over a watermelon it would yeah been... yeah luckily like you say there was some give to what was beneath him but oh horrendous but yeah and it's in the film yeah so uh if you check it out <laughs> one hour 27 minutes <laughs> oh yeah that was uh and we've talked before in films haven't we you know stunts gone wrong that they keep in the film mostly are due to you know fire stunts there's a lot of those that go a bit wrong and they keep those in but there's where a guy's head gets driven over that's okay Oof. very nasty yeah. nasty very nasty it is uh and as it went on it was getting more and more spaghetti western like in the shots there was loads of definite shots that have been culled from um especially the dollars trilogy yeah it just went into a western at one point yeah which was a bit weird the whole tone of it was okay because one of his team is like a oh i don't know it was it was losing me by then it was losing me um yeah and i think a lot of it is to do with you know ian hunter as as duncan jacks He's, I don't know, he's not exactly charismatic, is he? Um, yeah, I feel like the problem I've had with it, the baboon, highly entertaining. Hitler, the whole premise is like it's Nazis and Hitler's fine. Like there's entertaining bits, but all the rest, it's pretty boring. Hmm. Which um. Which is my main thing. I, like I was, you know, like you said, checking out. That's exactly what I was doing. And like, and then there was a sort of come back in when there's action bits going on. But I was just sort of like sat in front of it. I felt like I was just sat in front of it rather than watching it. Yeah. Like my eyes were on the screen, but I was just like, nah, this is boring. <laughs> I don't know how you can make a movie with that premise boring at any point. Yeah, when you you think what it's about a shit James Bond trying to save the world from hitler cake with the baboon in tow is you know sounds fine to me but there was there was just enough to it i was oh i mean because we always come back to the old like letterbox scores and that and i was and we, i will give the game away now we 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 differed on this one and we differed we finally differed we finally differed but we only differed by half a point and if only you knew, Tom, how close I was to giving it the score that you did. You gave it two and a half. I gave it three. And I was at points, you know, like at the start. I mean, I don't think about what score I'm going to give a film like the whole way through watching it. Mm. But I was about halfway first. Oh, this could be three if he just picks up a little yeah. more. But 
but he just never did. I mean, you know, love like react the end was fun and you know, reaction it was done there was some stupid moments, but he just didn't pick up enough for me to I was just like, well, I'm not gonna give it two because it's got a fucking baboon <laughs> while fucking driving a tank, so I'm not I'm not gonna disrespect Definitely. the work like this. <laughs> but yeah, so two and a half, so almost we almost but no the, the run is over after what did you say seven movies yeah um yeah it's it's unbelievable we'll never we'll never replicate that mate we'll never go with that many films and completely agree on the score i'm sure or maybe we will we might surprise each other i don't know i mean we can we can start again with the next film so yeah let, let's see what happens but uh yeah order of the black eagle it was all right not enough baboon so no, um, I will. Yeah, I I agree. Mm. Yeah, I am going to watch the the previous one though. Just... Yeah, no, you should. I yeah. mean, let me. <laughs> I've seen it, but let me know what it's like. Well, <laughs> too. And then I've got. And then at least I've seen just for my own sanity. I've seen both of Ian Hunter's films as Duncan Jack, so I can mark those off. That'll be good. Right then, let's move on to uh, your rewatch pick, my friend. Vietnam. 1984. Chuck Norris is James Brad. Decorated war hero. Ex-prisoner of war. An American on a mission. One man who couldn't forget the Americans that were left behind. We categorically deny that there are any living MIAs in Vietnam. Wrong answer. James Braddock has returned. To uncover the truth and free the soldiers. We're going home. Missing in action. Damn right. James Braddock declares war. The war isn't over until the last man comes home. America had no more heroes until now. Chuck Norris, missing in action. Indeed, <laughs> my rewatch pick was Missing in Action, which was released in 1984, starring the one and only. Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. Hurrah. And, well, basically, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, America didn't win the Vietnam War, but through movies, they could go back and have a go over with this POW missing in action um, plot as seen in First Blood Part 2 and then replicated. <laughs> A fucking lot. Yes. I mean, there were two sequels to this, so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of missing in action esque films in the eighties, weren't there? Oh my god, there were so many of them. And growing up, especially through the eighties, I used to love me and my mates. Was we used to love it if we're watching a film, and it even bled into TV shows. Uh, that when the main character was a Vietnam vet, there, there was so many of them, and it was like, yes, I don't know why. 
but we just used to fucking love it if there was like one of them was a Vietnam vet. You, usually because you knew that shit was going to kick off and they were going to get <laughs> they were going to get vengeance on whoever and then they were going to kick some ass. So that was yeah, like gonna, they're going to go back. Yeah, they're going to. Is it going to be a do over and they win Vietnam? Because <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to call it revisionist history because it's just a film. But um, there was a lot of the films, and I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would growing up watching these films would just be under the impression America won that war. <laughs> I'm not going to get all political about it, but it was just a fact they didn't. And I just think it's funny that there's all these films um, uh, try and correct that. And uh, there's actually, on Letterboxd, the first, the most popular review is this huge long thing about, like, you know, real life and these films and how it all, um, how they all uh, sort of compare. Because this, you know, there were you know, POWs after the Vietnam War um, in real life. But uh, that's an interesting read. Mm. But this, this is Missing in Action. Um, Chuck Norris just, it just starts with Chuck Norris just fucking shooting people in a jungle and it doesn't really differ from that much, does it? <laughs> it You're going to have like, you know, an hour and 40 minutes of him shooting people. It's because he's obviously you know he's known as an accomplished martial artist and he, he does a little bit of fist fighting in this but it's yeah, much, a few kicks yeah it's all about the guns isn't it really it is all yeah about the guns. I mean it starts with him shooting and it's a flashback interesting that he has a beard in the flashbacks normally Chuck normally Chuck Norris films to indicate that it's a flashback he doesn't have a beard <laughs> or it's just a tash um, mm. but in this one beard. Um, and then it ends with him, like, you know, well, the first part of the flashback ends with him doing a big belly flop with some grenades in his hands, and somehow which he survives. Um, and then he's captured, gets away, and then he comes back to Vietnam to um, sort of, like, Vietnamese government are saying there's no prisoners of war, but America and Chuck Norris are saying there are. He knows it for a fact, and he wasn't going to come back. Um there's this whole uh, whole thing where, he, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but did he just decide, change his mind about going going to Vietnam again because he watched an episode of Spy, uh, Spider-Man cartoon? It seemed to play out that way, didn't it? Because he was... Because <laughs> he wakes up in his... Um, Oh god, it looks like a hotel room, but I guess it's his house. Yeah, it's like the set does like the set design is terrible. This film makes everywhere look horrible. It does. It does. I'll get more into this as we go. But like, I'm like, is this some shitty motel, or is he in like some? Sh- is he in Vietnam? And I was just, oh, he's not. And then he puts the TV on, and like, because he's woken up from his dream, and like, he's covered in sweat and stuff, and he's watching this episode of the old. I think 70s Spider-Man cartoon and it sort of um, talk, you know, like the bad guy, I think it was Shocker, was going on about how he was like, oh, Spider-Man, you locked me up and I was locked away for years and all of this and I'm finally out and that's that was enough to be like, you know what, I'm going back to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> how easily swayed Braddock is. Oh. Just put an episode of the animated Spider-Man cartoon on <laughs> from the seventies, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, that's it." Yeah, no amount of political persuasion before then would do it, but Spider-Man cartoon, yeah, no problem. So he goes back, and there's like, no, there's not, and obviously he gets angry. James Hong is the very un-Vietnamese James Hong is um, <laughs> the main Viet- Vietnam government official, mm-hmm. and uh, he ends up just getting killed. 
Like, I thought it was a bit of a waste of James Hong. It was a waste. I mean, obviously, you know, Chuck Norris killed him. So that that was all right in a, a bit more knife action. And yeah, yeah. It was what took my attention is after he kills him, so he's, he's Chuck Norris, um, Braddock has crept out of his hotel room in, is it Saigon? He's uh, crept out of there. Uh, which, which is good, you know. He climbs down the, you know, the building and, and everything, and he's left um, the the lady of the film in the hotel room. Yeah, and uh, and he, so he, he sneaks back. So of course they find, um, you know, they find the Vietnamese uh, soldier dead with a, a knife uh, in him, and then oh, it's Braddock. Braddock's killed him. So let, let's go to the hotel, and they all storm back to the hotel, and Braddock gets there just just in time and he you know he strips off his clothes the amount of times that he takes his top off there's a drinking game every time Chuck <laughs> Norris takes his shirt off have a drink that's that's the drinking game for this film and um he dives into bed with a woman and they're sort of pretending to have a shag and then the Vietnamese and they, they quite literally kick the door in and it takes them you know about 10 seconds they're kicking and something and crashing through and now you think any normal person if they were having sex in a hotel room and their hotel room door started to be kicked in. Might put them off a bit. They'd probably stop. No, no, not Chuck, mate. He keeps pretending to have sex while this door's being, being kicked in, which I thought, good old Chuck Norris, living up to the legend again. God, <laughs> no. yeah. He, and, like, that, the whole point is, you know, oh, no, I was here this whole time, mm-hmm. but um, um, she's not very convincing. She's just like, what the fuck is going on? Because he literally rips her top off for the, uh, I don't know, make it authentic. Authentic, yeah. And he's, oh yeah, I just have to point out as well, because Tina said, and this was a first time watch view for Tina as well. She'd never seen it before. And she was the first time that Chuck Norris took his shirt off. She looked and she looked at me and she went, is he really that hairy? I went, yeah, <laughs> yep. He, is. he was in his pants in one scene. He, I mean, yeah. I, have, I hope you warned Tina that I was going to. I was coming. <laughs> no, I let it, uh, I let that one just take her by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> so he's um, he's killed James Hong, and obviously he needs like they're like, well, it looks like you're in bed here, but get out of Vietnam. Um, but he's convinced, so he um, wants to go. He goes through Thailand to get back into Vietnam and enlists his old mate, M. Emmett Walsh, mm. who's uh, just disgusting. He just hangs... And, okay, so what I was saying about, like, everyone looking awful, I've never been to Thailand. Have you? No. It can't look that bad. <laughs> I mean, the people at the, Thai, the Thailand tourist board must have been livid because everywhere looks fucking disgusting, like the <laughs> sleaziest shithole you've could ever imagine? I was like, "There's no way they, anywhere looks this bad." Go to what's got to be the world's worst strip club. They go into and they've got this this supposedly, he says with air quotes, sexy woman singing the Rod Stewart song badly. Do you think I'm sexy? While the background music is being played on this really shitty Casio keyboard, it's like what? The... It's just rank. And there's a bit where he goes into a bar there, and like he leaves the scene, and then like this naked girl's just plopped onto the bar, and then it can be a scene ends. I'm just like, why? 
Why is that? Why does it look so dirty and like everyone's so? I mean, it's hot, I know, but it looks like even like the people are sweaty. It's fine. It's a hot country, but it even looks like the buildings are sweaty. <laughs> like, I don't. I can't put into words. Like there's no way Thailand looks that bad. It can't do. It must be. A, there must be areas of beauty there, but no, it's all sleazy bars and strip clubs and brothels and oh it's just like you want to have a shower after watching it <laughs> it is it's bloody terrible isn't it i'm talking of that there's a like completely unnecessary scene where he decides to go you know he's got his he, we'll talk about the big bulletproof boat in a minute but He's ready to go into Vietnam and he goes to get M.M. at Walsh and he's just in there. I like talking about Chuck Norris topless. Didn't need an M.M. at Walsh topless scene with these um, uh, two ladies of the night, which, I mean, angle the camera slightly differently and you'd have seen a, a lot more there. And it just looks... <laughs> Oh, it's just like this big sweaty pile. And, it's... and he looks at him because Chuck Norris walks in and he looks at him. He's there. With, like you said, he's on the bed with these two ladies. And he says, come and join us. Oh, <laughs> Imagine that it's as a like, scene. It literally just looks like a pile of like damp rags. It's, just... <laughs> it's disgusting. Like his big fat. I don't want a body shame or anything, but fucking hell, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the deleted scene of when Chuck Norris does join in. Oh, oh, oh all the hair. Oh. All of his hair would have got all sweaty and stuck to him. Oh, all of that chest yeah, all hair. Yeah, all that body hair will all start to all start to like curl up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. Then M.M. Walsh would get like a static shock off of... <laughs> Okay, I've still got to eat tonight, so I'm going to stop yeah. stop <laughs> yeah. about the depiction of Thailand and topless MM at Walsh and uh, whatever else. Um, bulletproof boat. So obviously he wants to go. Chuck wants to go in like fully kitted up, mm. and basically he haggle. He, there's he show this bulletproof boat, Kevlar boat. Um, the only thing it will survive, it won't survive, is being blown up, which is funny. Guess what happens later? Um, and he had, like they say, I mean, twenty thousand um, dollars says the guy selling it, and Chuck Norris just stares him down to ten. <laughs> it's a hilarious scene. It's just like this is how you haggle with Chuck Norris. He yeah. will just stare at you until yeah. he. Although to be fair, Chuck Norris was holding like a very big gun at the time as well. Like, yeah, the, he did have, uh, but I think the stare alone did it. Oh yeah, definitely. It, it would have got me. I'd have just given him the boat for free. That would have been it. If Chuck Norris had stared at me like that, just take the boat, Chuck. Go on, it's yours. So they they go to Vietnam. They just shoot everyone, <laughs> blow up everything, and get the Viet. Like, like, what more can you say? It's just carnage. It's mostly Chuck legging it around again with a big gun, and he's got dozens, dozens of soldiers shooting at him from everywhere. And Chuck's just picking him off left, right, and centre, and nobody's hitting him. It's it's one of those classic ones, isn't it, where he gets hundreds of bullets fired at him, and not one hit. Him. He's never in any danger in this. No. It's it's absolute. Just like I mean, if I just said what happened in the plot, it's like they get there, the camp's moved. He finds the camp. He shoots it up. You can get some out. Yeah, but then it. But that's all filled with just. 
people being blown up, people on fire, people falling out of those tree lookout, you know, those lookout posts, them blowing up, people being shot, squibs, mm-hmm. people flying into the water. I mean, it's carnage, but it is, I yeah. mean, it's exactly what you'd expect. It's, you, know, you can't go into this or leave this film disappointed. There aren't there are no heads being run over though. That's one thing that it doesn't have. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a bit more. This is a bit more professional film than uh, than uh, Order of the uh, Baboon. <laughs> Order of the Baboon. There is there's one scene in this as well though, and I forget. I don't think it was it was in the because I, I kept well, is he in the hotel like you said or is he at home now or is he where is he but he's in what he's been out and he comes in. And he's he's like he walks and he goes to the once again he, that's it he's stood by the window and surprise surprise he takes his shirt off again I think it's like about the third or fourth time in the film and he changed just and you know why he takes his shirt off so we can put another shirt on vital to the storyline I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> he's probably got it written in, thing. it is written into his contract I've I've got to change shirts at least four times in this. And, yeah, and it needs to be seen. Yeah, so he's doing all of this, and he's you know he takes his time doing it, and okay, okay, and he walks to the wardrobe, and this guy, fuck knows how long he's been waiting in the wardrobe. He could have been in there hours. Why he didn't attack him earlier, I have got no idea. And he leaps out with this scream, and he attacks him, and Tina nailed it because she said, she said that's just like Cato in the Inspector Clouseau films. It's yeah. as though, it's as though Chuck Norris, like you know, the Braddock character, and paid him to attack him at some point, and he was just waiting <laughs> in the wardrobe for like a day and a half or something ridiculous. Well, maybe the guy was waiting for so long because he was just like. How many times is this guy going to change his shirt? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we just joined the scene in progress and he'd already changed his shirt like 20 or 30 times. He was just like <laughs> staring out the window, yeah. changing his shirt. Maybe he was enjoying Intense. it. Yeah, he could have been enjoying it. He thought, oh, I hope he changes his shirt again. <laughs> I mean, look at, well, look at look at the man. Look at him. He wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah, a fine figure of a man is Chuck Norris. <laughs> I mean, I need to touch on his wardrobe just for a second as well. Like... No, he had he had the aviators on. He had um, mm-hmm. the denim shirt. Yeah, he was wearing a tweed jacket and a plaid shirt at one point. Oh, nice. Or a fashion plate. Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, and like um, he was wearing sunglasses indoors at one point, but like, who was going to tell him to take them off? He looked stupid. Nobody would dare do that, mate. Nobody. Absolutely nobody. Yeah. And there was uh, uh, it. It did. Sorry, well. it, there was one of the classic things that you get in like loads of films. We talked about it, I think, the other month in it's some horror film. I can't remember. It's the ones you know where, where the you know the bad guy or whoever's chasing and they've got a weapon and then whoever the, the bad guy's chasing, they use the weapon and they drop it. And instead of the other person picking up the weapon and using it, they run away. There's all, there was a little twist on that. So Chuck Norris has got you know one of the bad guys and this bad guy has got an axe head because Chuck Norris has, has already chopped the axe handle in half. So the bad guy's holding the axe head and he's going to um, he's going to put it into Chuck Norris. But of course, Chuck Norris holds his, his arm, twists his arm around and then forces the axe head into the bad guy who's holding the axe head. And all and this goes on a few minutes and there's oh there's a struggle. And oh, is he going to push it back into him? <laughs> and why didn't all the bad guy had to do? He's just dropped the axe head. He could just open his fingers up and drop it, and and the situation would have gone, mate. But he didn't do it. It was one of those <laughs> when you're watching a film and you're going, just drop it, just do that, and you'll be safe. But he didn't. 
but still. Maybe he was just in fear looking into the eyes of Chuck Norris. I mean, yeah, they were very close together and he was looking very intense. And also, how long he'd been on that boat for? He sought out these bad guys just hiding. <laughs> was... As well, it's just like, where have you come from? Yeah. It looks like I've been out on, you know, out to sea for a while now and here you are biding your time, I guess. I don't know. These the villains in this film. Mm. And the and the POWs, mate, because this is what, 1984, they'd been, did they say they'd been there, was it like eight years or something? And uh, their de- designer stubble was quite magnificent on some of them. How yeah, they? I mean, they're keeping yeah. up with uh, trends at least. Yeah, yeah, they got some good grooming products while they were being kept uh, prisoner. Yeah, war. not not all not all bad there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this this is a film that oh, it reminds me of my dad so much because yeah. I watched it with him a lot of times. And he he loved this film so much. It was me that's always been the film collector. This is one of those um, ex-rental VHSs that he bought mm-hmm. from the video store for his collection. And I remember it being in the living room downstairs alongside like Dirty Harry uh, and other films that, you know, his favourite films. This is one of them. And yeah, it, it really reminded me of my dad watching it, which was nice. So it's, it's, it's yeah. yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. Um... So at the end, I mean, there's just a little note at the end. I mean, like I was saying about James Hong earlier. Um, so the end, I mean, it's a little rushed, like, you know, like the government would like to say. They're like, it's like this ruling, they're bringing a gavel down or something. And there's definitely no American. There's this sort of gavel slowly coming up. <laughs> and then, like, Chuck bursts in with them, doesn't say anything, dragging one in. And then it ends. And I just think, oh, I would have been a little better if it was James Hong who was doing that line, you know, yeah. the, it's still, yeah. you know, if you just they killed someone else and just had James Hong at the end, then you could just see James Hong be like, ah, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been a bit more satisfying. But, um, yeah, other than that, I mean, as I said, with this film, you can't leave disappointed. Like, you look at, like, even if you've never seen it, like Tina, you look at the case or you look at the poster, you know what you're going to get here. Yeah. You're not going to get Shakespeare. You're not going to get Scorsese. <laughs> you're not going to get Platoon. No. <laughs> you're going to get Chuck Norris killing the shit out of people for 90 minutes, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely doesn't let you down. It was uh, it was nice to watch it again. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And and we did agree on our letterbox scores as well. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half from us both. It's a good rewatch. Good rewatch. Does this, does this count as number one in our next chain of... Scores matching? Um, I think why not? Why not? Let's start. Let's start Just call it yeah. one. <laughs> Mark it and see how we go on. Uh, which I guess leads us seamlessly uh, into. Oh my God, we're professional. Uh, we shall be back in just a second with the next episode's picks. Where well, it is you first, mate, with your first time watch pick. Okay, <laughs> as I um, announce this pick, I'm looking at the poster for it, and fucking hell, am I, 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 this is either going to be one of the, you know, the top line ones we've done, or one of the worst mistakes we've ever made. <laughs> God, we're going to be living I mean, on I'm, the I'll, edge. I'll, I'll send you the poster afterwards, but fucking hell. 
This is a Canadian film from 1987, uh, which has got a budget of about 20 quid <laughs> and a packet of chewing gum, by the look of it. Um, and it, fuck it, it says it's a horror. I mean, you could, you could not pick a genre for what this film is by looking at the poster. <laughs> it's called Beyond the Seventh Door, and we're going to watch it. <laughs> Can I ask what led you to this? I just sort of, I found it in the sort of like mentioned in the so bad it's good to take the piss sort of thing. And the letterboxed review seemed to back that up. I'm sending it on WhatsApp now. I don't know if you can uh, see it while we're going. Just so like, um, tell me, I mean, this is, oh, oh, where is it? Okay. So obviously for anybody listening, just, just Google beyond, yeah, beyond, Google the, seventh beyond the seventh door. door. You don't need to say post to it. It's the yeah. first. 1987. Is it? Oh, I've got it up on IMDb as well. Oh my god! Okay, yeah. This is it. The one with a red text. Yes. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> like what? Yeah, just please a everybody. Bag. She's looking through the door. Then she's sat there. Then she's. I don't know what she's doing in the smallest photo. Yeah, it's uh, you've people. You've got to Google this because, and then if, I, if you zoomed, okay, I've zoomed in. I know we're not going to talk about the film, but we can talk about this thing. Like, what is she doing in that smallest poster? It's like she. It's like she's got a bag of fluff in a fireplace over like the like in the like in of a teddy bear or something i don't know i don't think she knows i don't think anybody i don't think the director or the writer knows looking at the picture from this so that's what we're watching day sorry oh, <laughs> thank you for that mate that's... <laughs> let's uh, let's see what that brings <laughs> Uh, if we agree on our scores for that, oh my word! Um, but at least looking at the running time, it's a lean eighty-three minutes. So, yeah, that, that could be a blessing. It all depends, uh, right? <laughs> my rewatch pick. I'm going to do something, mate, that we've definitely not done on Decade of Decadence. I don't even think we did it back in the days of Eighties Picture House. Oh, I am going. Is it a good film? <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Very good. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully it is. Well, well, I've got a good idea if it, is, if it isn't, because we're going to watch the sequel to this episode's rewatch pick. We're going to watch Missing in Action 2, which isn't, okay. it, isn't really... It's the sequel, but it's also the prequel, because it's what went on before Missing in Action, and it's also because Missing in Action 1 and 2 were filmed back-to-back. This was going to be the first one to be released, but it wasn't. It was put back to be the second one. Mm. I like it. Yeah, thanks to the success of uh, Rambo 2, which is why they released number two first. Anyway, we'll get into that when we talk about Missing in Action 2, the beginning from 1985, so we shall carry on or go back to the beginning, however you want to look at it, the story of uh, James Braddock. And I'm betting now, mate, money on it. I'm oh, I'm going to... My over-under at Chuck Norris taking his shirt off. <laughs> I'm going for 10 minutes, so... Yeah, I mean, I'd... Yeah, I'd agree, to be honest. Maybe less. That's, uh, that's one thing. Well, everybody listening, you know, play along. Over-under 10 minutes. Put your bets on. Let's see. We shall, we shall announce at what point in the film he takes his shirt off, which I'm sure will only be for the first time. So uh, yeah, that's the one that we'll do. But thought, oh, yeah, something different. We'll watch. Yeah, uh, certainly is. That's a good story. idea. Yeah. Uh, right. That's it then for this one. Um, we didn't agree on the scores. We did with one out of the two. We had one really good film. One you know, 
not too bad, but not great film. So it's good, mate. No, no shit. We'll yeah, yeah. We we'll, always be glad of that. We'll be on the seventh door. End of that. Oh, he's got the best chance. It has. He's got the best chance of that's this. This is a wild one. Like you said, it's either gonna you know a wild shot and you're gonna score a cracker, <laughs> or it's just gonna go flying over the bar <laughs> to use a football. It'll make or break us. It that's... will do one or the other. <laughs> Uh, right, for everybody listening, you know the score. Go to the website, 60mw.co.uk, numerical 60, not alphabetical. All the links are on there, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, mentioned YouTube, gives us a sub on there. Uh, if nothing else, uh, apart from like the interview shows, a lot go on there. Join in on the next session of What the Dub. Join in with the Vincent Price sex party. Join in and see if Tom can keep his What the Dub crown and if you've got a smartphone you can you can join in along it's great easy doesn't cost you a penny either um and that's it and i shall do once i've said goodbye and you have i will do what i always fucking forget to do at the beginning and press the button for the theme tune i didn't do it again at the beginning of the <laughs> show i'll actually do it to the end so uh i shall say as tradition my quick goodbye and leave it to tom to end the show yeah, well, whereas I may be quite good at what the dub, I'm not quite good at this. Goodbye. I'm going to watch the uh, the new Tina Turner documentary. Oh, nice one! And if they don't dedicate half an hour to steamy windows, um, I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> I'm still reeling with disgust when I watched the Bee Gees documentary and they didn't even mention "You Win Again." I'm like, what? Oh, the greatest song. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you wrote a stern letter of complaint. I was like, yeah, yeah, and I told her that you lose again. <laughs> <laughs> and then I realised I, I better not send it because he may think I'm talking about his brothers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>